All right. Good afternoon or good morning, good evening, wherever you may be. But welcome to the International Code Council, Region 1 and Region 1 Radio Show. My name is Tim Spears. I'm the treasurer for Region 1 and also the host of Region 1 Radio. Uh, Region 1 was established in 2014, and we consist of three states, California, Hawaii, and Nevada. That also encompasses 32 ICC chapters. We're dedicated to excellence in education and engagement to promote a safer environment by bringing code professionals together. These videos and podcast series was designed or were designed to highlight individuals and chapters that make up our region and share their experiences with all of you. Today on the show, I'm excited to have joined me, someone I consider a close friend and a mentor, Mike Payton with the City of Modesto Fire Department. He is also the past president for Region 1 and the Northern California Fire Prevention Officers Association past president as well. Mike, welcome to Region 1. Uh, I'm excited to have you. Uh, and how are you today? I am doing well. Thank you very much, Fire Marshal Spears. <laughs> well, so if you guys don't know this already, and some of you probably already do, I actually was uh, Fire Marshal Payton's uh, deputy fire marshal for a time, uh, and so uh, that actually before my current uh, position. So I learned a lot from him, uh, and so that's uh, he. He's one that I, I I will say that I've learned a lot, especially from the state of California in that in that regard, because I've worked uh, in the state of Iowa, state of Colorado, and now California. So he's really helped me kind of develop as a fire code official here in the state of California. So there's always a uh, interesting nuance uh, depending on what state you're in. So he's helped me uh, kind of get to the position that I am in today. So that's why I'm excited to talk to him. So, Well, that's very kind. Yep. So, I don't know how uh, true it is, but that's very kind. <laughs> well, I, I do appreciate it. Yeah, I, I will say that... Um, I, you know, I, I think some of the things that, you know, some of the qualities that I did learn from you, I think it was more of um, leadership skills in the sense of um, knowing, um, you know, maybe to be a little bit more of a an advocate, um, be a little bit stronger, have courage to to do the right thing. Um, and uh, and I think that you exemplified that. That definitely helped me um, become who I am in my current, you know, in my current job. And so, and I'll, I, you know, I'll never forget the, the experiences that you provided me uh, being there. So, um, so that's why I, I, I thought, well, before, um, before we progress too, too much further in these podcast series, I got to get you on here. Um, because uh, uh, I, I knew that uh, that time might come where you couldn't be on here anymore, or you could. I would just have to get you from maybe, uh, you know, sitting on the boat someplace in Oklahoma. That's true. Very true. Very, <laughs> very soon. Very soon. Um, so with that being said, can you share a bit about your background and then also the city of Modesto? Uh, you know, talk about, you know, some of those, you, you know, the area that you serve and, and you know, really – yeah, really, just your background. I, I know that you have quite the extensive background in the world of fire prevention. Yeah, I, I actually started in the fire service in uh, 1991 as a paid call firefighter. And uh, I was a paid call firefighter for about four years and then uh, accepted a position as a firefighter EMT with the city of Hesperia. They're, uh, uh, ironically, driving an ambulance and... Uh, um, 
serving that community in that way and was called into fire prevention for a brief stint to kind of help out with something as a paid call firefighter. And that's where I got hooked in uh, fire prevention. I was only doing uh, a weed abatement there, but uh, I enjoyed uh, watching the other people in the department work and was very interested in the plan review and fire investigation process. So I ended up taking a full-time job there in uh, fire prevention. And uh, what a great blessing that was. And uh, it got me to where I am now because uh, I came up to Modesto in 2001 as the uh, deputy fire marshal. And uh, about a year after that became the fire marshal. So I've been the fire marshal here for about 19 years now and uh, have enjoyed a very good career and, and ready to retire. <laughs> it sounds like it. So one of the things that uh, I was talking with uh, Kevin McOsker last uh, last week, I think it was, um, and we were talking about the different phases of his career. It's, you had you had very similar experiences in the sense of uh, kind of working your way through the ranks to get to the position that you're that you're in right now. And one of the things that he said he liked the most was plan review. Now I can't necessarily relate to that. That's not necessarily my strong mm -hmm. uh, desire is to look at plans. But what are some of those things and some of those areas throughout your career that you've definitely valued um, being a fire code professional? A plan review. Plan review and fire investigations. I would say that uh, the path to becoming uh, a fire marshal in this arena is plan review because mm -hmm. uh, it gives you the code experience to be able mm -hmm. to know what you're talking about and learn the codes and get into the codes, which also brings you into code development eventually if you want to keep going further. So it is, uh, I think, uh, the plan review process all the way to the um, top fire marshal position is extremely important. Yeah, yeah, I, I do think that the plan review gives you that really uh, high attention to detail that mm -hmm. so many, um, I, I don't want to say people don't have, but it definitely draws on uh, those, uh, those experiences definitely help shape you to be a, a better fire code official because you really, I, I've heard the expression, only get one bite at the apple. Um, and sometimes you do, you know, you, you approve a set of plans or a set of drawings and they get out in the field and, and uh, how do uh, inspectors uh, address it? Because there are times where you're looking something in a two-dimensional shape or a two-dimensional arena and being able to take that and, uh, be able to see everything that's going to happen and all those systemic things later on that are going to happen in that project sometimes is very difficult. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I was, yep. I was, uh, uh, very blessed to have when I was starting out, I got to, uh, sit, uh, just a few feet away from the, uh, building department plan reviewer when I was learning and coming up. And, uh, he was a 30 year veteran doing plan reviews. And uh, we would kind of play a, a, a little bit of a game. He would do his plan review. I would do mine. And then I'd give him my comments. And then he would show me all the things I missed. And uh, <laughs> we kept playing that um, for a while until we got to the point where I caught a few things that he missed. And uh, he patted me on the back. And he says, I think you've arrived. <laughs> so that was a great experience from a great Well, that's all. 
Yeah, it, you know, and it, I think it's always important to have those mentors, people that can kind of get you through uh, or help kind of develop that skill because I really consider it to be a skill. It, um, it is one of those things that the analytical piece, that attention to detail, and how do you how do you really start to kind of you know peel back the layers and get to the information that you need? And as you and I know, you, you we always get these plans that have a lot of information, but we only need a portion of that information. And so how do you peel back the layers? How do you identify that those sections of those plans um, relate to you and identify all those key issues? Because uh, sometimes uh, it, it's difficult. Yeah. It is oh, difficult. Yeah. Knowing what you adopted is a big thing. And yep. learning, yeah. learning the uh, yeah. uh, matrix adoption table. <laughs> so you keep yourself <laughs> out of trouble. Yeah. So if you're listening to this in maybe Hawaii or Nevada, the matrix matrix adoption table is one of those things probably unique to the state of California. Wouldn't you say, Mike, uh, in the in the in our fire code? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, they uh, so the state the state fire marshal's office adopts building standards and those building standards become what we call our California fire code, which is a version of the international fire code. But we have our uh, our amendments, and then we uh, then we make it a little bit more challenging. Then we even amend it further, depending on your municipality. So um, so it's always interesting to be able to take that and identify which sections and which appendices that you adopt, so that way you know how to enforce it. Because I I, I can probably attest to it. Like I've gotten down and I'm 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 looking at something, and then come to find out that we didn't adopt that section, so it has absolutely no relevance or bearing. But so, so you talk about that experience next to that plan reviewer in the building department. We all take, we all take different paths throughout our career. Right. Um, but what are some of those notable experiences that you've had that have really shaped you as a fire code, fire code official? I, I would say the mentors, um, you know, I, um, progressed up in this line fairly quick. And I, I believe that uh, having people like that, that uh, gentleman, um, James from the building department, um, also on the fire department side, um, had a gentleman by, in Southern California by the name of Carmen Conte, who was a genius uh, at codes, the code review process, plan review. Um, the guy was, I had the opportunity to sit side by side with him as well in the very early stages. And a lot of people just don't get that opportunity mm -hmm. and get thrust into that. And sometimes that's a little easier in a small department when you're you got uh, more hats to wear. And uh, I think that was the case also. So um, just extremely blessed to have those people early on in my career that got me there so quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I will say that that initial development um, when you become a fire code official and being able to have somebody that can kind of help show you that the correct path moving forward is key. I, I've seen you, different, um, you know, fire inspectors and fire code officials come up uh, throughout the years. And, you know, having that really good foundation to begin your career, I think is always key. Uh, and having those mentors, having those people. I remember when I first became an inspector, having send my, my boss, my inspection reports, and it would come back and there was more red on it than there was black. Um, and I thought I was doing really well when I sent them. Uh, I wasn't doing really well when I got them back. So, <laughs> 
But yeah. but I will say that that helped me be you know more analytical and and also how I phrase things. And I think that that really helped develop kind of. Maybe I get a little bit more too wordy, but that's kind of what happens. And mm -hmm. I will say that that's come to help me, uh, especially throughout the course of my career, whenever things um, you know get a little bit more difficult or, um, and having that good documentation. Uh, and that's one thing that I definitely stress to a lot of individuals. Yeah. But yeah, I think so, another important thing, too, is uh, is relationships with your staff. Um, mm -hmm. Just. Um, building that building that trust with them and letting mm -hmm. them know if you're going to be the fire marshal you got to let them know that you have their back and yep. uh, no matter what happens at the top above you that uh, you're going to have their back and that they need to do the right thing and that they need to see you doing the right thing too and you mentioned that earlier in this uh interview is is courage and mm -hmm. and having the courage to stand up and say you know no, we can't do that. You know, it doesn't meet code. I'm sorry. We're going to be fair and consistent. And that's extremely yeah. important in applying the codes. Yeah, I think that, like you just said, being consistent. And so uh, it, it can get challenging from time to time, uh, as most code professionals can probably identify uh, some of those challenges. And it, it, and with that, having the courage to identify what is wrong and making sure that uh, those deficiencies do get addressed properly, because it is a safety hazard. It is a fire and life safety hazard, should it not. And so um, and I, I you know, definitely can attest. I know you and I've <laughs> had some conversations throughout the, throughout the years on some different projects. And so yeah. but I do think that we made it safer. We definitely made it safer for all the, all the occupants, which. Um, I'm sure long-term that, you know, people will probably really appreciate. So, um, we, you know, we talked kind of a little bit about some of those, uh, you know, experiences, but what have, what are some of those things that you've seen throughout the course of your career that maybe changes that you've seen, um, over the course of the last 20 or so years of being a fire code official? Well, I think, um, we say this a lot that uh, that the fire prevention job um, keeps getting more and more technical, and mm -hmm. we've been saying that for a long time. But as I as I sit here now and uh, look back at the beginning of my career, um, and and see all the different changes that I've uh, been through as a fire marshal over the last nineteen years. There really is a lot, and the job has become very, very technical, and you really need to stay up on what's going on and be involved in it. Um, it is extremely important, such as I think one notable thing that I've got to uh, go through was the uh, co-change process from the uh, mm -hmm. Western Fire Chiefs version of the code to the ICC version and watch all that play out. That was a, a interesting highlight in my career. And uh, I, I think uh, the way it turned out was the right way it turned out, that it should have. I still believe that. And uh, But you never know, you might go through it again someday. <laughs> yeah, you, you never say never, right? Um, never say and never. And, and fire prevention is always evolving. Uh, it's been one of those things that even throughout 
Uh, I've only really been in the profession for 20 years. I think uh, 2004 is when I first began. So maybe not even 20 years yet. And so one of those things that uh, I've identified is all that change anywhere from pen and paper inspections now to digital inspections. And now even we're going into um, uh, remote inspections, uh, people doing inspections with iPads and, and those types of things that um, it's ever evolving. Soon we'll have VR glasses and we'll be doing inspections that way yeah. um, or, or via robot um, I, or algorithm. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm interested to see how that change, how the, the, the tech, technology changes. Um, it may help, but also too, I just read an article on the Building Safety Journal through ICC and they were talking about automated uh, self-storage retrieval systems. And how that has really changed the codes and how the codes haven't really kept up with it as good as or maybe as well as we we would all hope they would. But the code change process is the code change process, right? right. We the, It's like three three year long process to be able to amend the code. And and once we get it amended, then somebody's coming out with something new. And right. so it, it never ends. Um, and it's always and I think that, Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, we're we're always you know a Monday morning quarterback, right? On some of these code things, but yeah. uh, but uh, and sometimes we, we you know we have uh, designers and developers that are always looking for the latest and greatest to be able to uh, you know maximize efficiencies. And so, how do we do that? And and so that was a good article. It talked about some of the challenges and things to look for uh, from a fire protection system standpoint. So you know, I think the um, other. The other big change, um, and you kind of touched on it a little bit, is uh, the ability to do plan review um, electronically. Uh, mm-hmm. Not even heard of back when I started, and and here I am now getting ready to retire, and uh, there, I'm in talks with them right now about me staying on as a retired annuitant and helping them out with some plan review stuff that I will do from my new home in Oklahoma. That was absolutely unheard of. And it's, and it's amazing yeah. to have that ability to be able to do that. And, um, you know, COVID has kind of um, stepped that up quite a bit and, and forced yep. that change much faster than it was coming. But um, yes, an amazing change in our industry. Yeah, I I think now with the pandemic and and some of those technology uh, or how technology has advanced so quickly uh, with uh, you know throughout this pandemic, uh, like think like this platform and this discussion platform that we're having now. I uh, I remember when we were trying to do virtual meetings through like Skype and everybody said, "Oh, that's yeah, that's just not feasible. That's unheard of." And then now it's kind of the way of the world, right? Over the course of the last eighteen months, almost two years, yeah. uh, we've spent more time in virtual meetings than we hardly you know than we do anything else. And also too now digital plan review digital plan review has been one of those things that has been thrust upon a lot of folks to try to figure out and i think we've we've done a really good job as an industry i think uh being able to meet that need we're all kind of transitioning to it but covid definitely helped uh ex, you know helped us kind of ramp it up a little faster we went from you know 0 to 60 real quick to be able to you know meet the needs of the customers and and the building industry wasn't slowing down during the pandemic so we couldn't either and so how do we meet those needs and i think that digital plan review definitely helped out quite a bit necessity is definitely the mother of invention yep i agree i agree um 
so you kind of talked about, um, you know, the technical aspect of how we, um, you know, as code professionals and how that's changed over the course of the last year, uh, or not last year, but the last 20 or so years. And, you know, the code books definitely seem to double in size. I think we're still only on one volume of the fire code. <laughs> but I, I do think that eventually we're going to get two, uh, just like the building code. Uh, but with that being said, how do you stay up uh, on all the latest trends and, and technology um, that uh, that we're seeing in, you know, within building and fire safety? Well, I think um, the number one way I've done that is um, I've hired extremely smart people like you. Um, <laughs> well, I appreciate that. <laughs> um, that's one way, but um, yeah, just being involved and uh, um, staying involved with like uh, ICC Region One, and mm-hmm. um, staying involved in in NorCal and and being part of the code process and on the code committee and uh, doing things like that. Um, the training classes that come along is what you. Uh, no matter what level you're at, you should always stay involved. In tra- you're never too good to step right. into a class and uh, stay brushed up on things. It'll only mm-hmm. make you better. Yeah, I agree. I One of the things I, I had um, a, a buddy of mine, I, I, I met out at the National Fire Academy, and he, he had been a longtime fire investigator and, and for a big city, and, and he was taking the intro to fire investigations class. It was a two-week class, and I said, well, you know, I kind of asked him, like, hey, you, you've got like 10, 15 years as a fire investigator. Why are you taking this class? And he says, you always learn something new. Whether or not uh, – you, you, I'm not here to teach the class. I'm here to learn, and so I, yeah. I, I can be able to learn something from these instructors that or help reinforce some of the knowledge that I already have. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've always kind of felt that that was a good kind of example for me uh, as I've taken a look at some of the classes. Like I could always go through another fire prevention in one a or go through, a, a, you know, fire inspection principles class uh, to be able to help reinforce that knowledge and be able to uh, to do that again, but sometimes to retake classes that that's not always, like, yeah. you know, not always, get, you, you know, uh, the, the thought, but I think that sometimes maybe we should, maybe yeah. we should look at that a little bit. Um, it's always good to have that reinforcement of knowledge. And like you said, the codes change every three years, there's new stuff coming mm-hmm. in and new technologies and whatnot. So the classes are going to change with them as well. So you'll never hear the yeah. same thing twice. Right. You're, tr- you're 100% true on that. 100% accurate. Um, so we talked about how you stay up on different changes throughout uh, building and fire safety, but how do you stay connected with other code professionals, maybe outside of your organization or maybe even outside of your state? You kind of mentioned it briefly, but um, thought maybe you might want to expand on it a little bit. Well, I think... Um... A highlight of my career um, was absolutely being able to serve on the ICC Region 1 board and uh, as well as the NorCal board. Um, with the ICC Region 1 board, I had the opportunity to meet people from, uh, as you know, um, Hawaii, mm-hmm. Nevada. Um, going to the code hearings, you're meeting people all over the United States and uh, even beyond the United States with the international um, codes. And then uh, NorCal, um, a great group of people down there that do a lot of great work. 
Uh, again, you yourself are on the code committee and, and involved mm-hmm. in that process and, and meeting a lot of people. Um, that's staying connected and uh, keeping up with the changes and relationships outside of your organization and bringing in new information. Yeah, yeah, I think that uh you're you're one of my phone of friends whenever i you know need a little bit of help and along with uh, a lot of other folks that you uh robert marshall i've I've talked to from time to time uh and a a few others that you know seem to help have those uh those words that i need to hear to be able to get me through maybe a challenging situation and and um, you know maybe a perspective that i hadn't considered and and i think that that relationship building is key right to be able to um, take that information from others and help you evolve and help you to, you know, kind of maybe change that perspective a bit. And it's been helpful for me, I know, as a code professional as well. Yeah. So, yeah, Robert Marshall calls me all the time asking questions. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I am going to cut this. This is at like, you know, this is at uh, 26 minutes in. So I'm going to send him this link because uh, <laughs> I'm sure he'll appreciate it. But uh, I'm sure he does. I mean, I look at it this way. We all don't have the answers. Um, and well, we talk. <laughs> I, I was just kidding on that. We do talk once in a while, but it's generally me calling him. Robert's an extremely <laughs> uh, smart guy, sharp guy. And he is. Uh, I don't, you know, of all the people I know, he stays up on stuff more than yes. more than anyone. And, uh, yep. you know, I've, I've benefited from his from his knowledge as well. But I do like to tease him at the same time. I think we all do. I think, we, you know, being part of, I, I think that camaraderie mm-hmm. is, is key. We talk about relationships, but really it's camaraderie. And, and I, I will say that the Northern California fire prevention officers, even, you know, really the Southern, I think, uh, California fire prevention officers also have that camaraderie amongst all of us. And, and I met several of them when I was in Pittsburgh from the, the Southern chapter and, you know, being in the Northern chapter and having those conversations and building those relationships. And, and, and it's always unique and you can kind of joke around with each other because you, yeah. you definitely share a lot of those same experiences. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. The Southern, the SoCal board um, has a great group of people, um, mm-hmm. really good. And, uh, you know, they, I mean, they've got their issues too. Most of them are Dodger fans, but you know, <laughs> we can get over that. Yeah. You know, the, uh, well, the Dodgers made it to the NLCS this year, but they didn't quite make it past the Braves, which I was, I was very happy to see because I'm more of a Braves fan than I am anything else. So, uh, I'm sure I'm not going to make any friends. Uh, and you know, everybody is now like, you know, sending me emails to count, cancel their, their, uh, you, you know, participation in region one radio after this, uh, after this podcast. <laughs> oh no, we're going to want to get on here and, and, and uh, argue that point. Defend. Yeah, defend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if if people don't don't realize, I mean the the Giants, Dodgers in California, you would you would think that um, you know with the the space that we have between the two entities, it would be there would be it'd be a little bit more relaxed. It's not. It's 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 quite the rivalry. Um, <laughs> yes, it so is. if you've never lived in California and experienced it, it's quite the rivalry. <laughs> All for fun, though. It is absolutely. Uh, so we talked about Region 1 and being connected there, but how do you engage with ICC outside of maybe Region 1? I buy their code books. A lot <laughs> yeah. of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I, I will say that they do uh, uh, 
put out quite a few reference materials. I know when when you and I worked together, we were, we were buying some different ones. I I, I particularly like the code and commentary um, because th those are one of those things that helps give me the you know, as I read it uh, the intent of what that that code section really is, and that's helped me a lot, especially when I've taken a look at some of those things that are outside or performance based designs. Like what what was the intent of this code section? And why did they set this parameter this way? And, and it, it has helped me to be able to uh, at least state a, a clear position if I've either approved it or not approved it. Yeah. Uh, um, great book. will um, give you a lot of insight into something maybe that you're considering and just don't quite have a finger on it. Uh, mm -hmm. But also now, um, as you are... Uh, well aware that we have one for the fire code stuff now mm -hmm. in California. Yep. A code and commentary that you were involved in putting together. Yep. Um, very long overdue. Mm -hmm. um, I think we got to give uh, Jessica Power the um, the credit for getting that started. And, and then uh, yeah. Crystal uh, Sajewski for uh, finishing that off and getting it on the street. Awesome yeah. job to all of you for that. Very, very much needed. Yeah, I know that you started that process, and then I kind of worked to you know uh, worked in that process as well. And and it it is quite the the text. I and it, when we were in Pittsburgh, um, there is a section in the back of that that uh, Crystal was able to put in there about the state fire marshal's office and and the history of it. And so what was unique is we had uh, Tanya Hoover. Uh, at the code hearings for a couple of days. And so she uh, signed a copy for Crystal, which was kind of, it, it was very neat. And yeah. we kind of had a lot of fun with that. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, we do have a code and commentary for um, for the uh, California, I don't want to say California amendments, but maybe more the Title 19 language that's in the, um, the California Fire Code. Um, that's very unique to California, but I know a lot of uh, other states definitely... Um, reference it in the sense of anywhere from the California state fire marshal standards, uh, especially inflammability. Uh, and I know that like when I worked in the state of Colorado, seeing a California state fire marshal's office tag on there, at least I knew it was going to be flame retardant. Yes. Um, it, it, it was held to a standard. Um, and so now, and also to uh, uh, what is it? Uh, motion picture industry uh, is very big here in the state of California. And so there's a lot of information that relates back to the motion picture industry that I'm sure probably has worked its way into the base code. Same thing with um, uh, wildlife and uh, defensible spaces has worked its way into the code as well. And so it's one of those things that it, it, if you ever want to see whether how California did it, that code and commentary book on the California amendments is, is definitely worth uh, taking a look at. Um, I think that it gives you a good perspective on how those things were developed over the course of the last many, many years. Yeah. Good education tool. Yep. Um, let's see here. So we, we talked about, um, you know, some of the different things and how you stay connected, but, uh, continued education is definitely essential to what we do. Um, what do you feel as somebody that's been in this profession for a long period of time are some of those skills for fire code, uh, fire code officials to develop and be better at, um, and be more successful in their current position? Oh, reading and writing. Yeah. Yep. Uh, be articulate. And, mm -hmm. um, but reading, reading and writing, the ability to comprehend and, uh, and write papers and, uh, be clear is, um, 
extremely important when you're communicating with customers and uh, people that um, aren't aware of what is going on and you're trying to explain it to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that being able to have that, being able to convey that message is key. And I I do agree with you. I think that um, if you can't write uh, your basic fire inspection report, then we're in trouble. And and it's one of those things that if you can take the time to, uh, you know, use the, and that was one of the things that's been hyped or been pressed upon me throughout my career is just making sure you use uh, correct grammar, punctuation, yeah. all of those things. You know, what we've done, I, I will say that a lot of the technology pieces that we've implemented has made it maybe a little less, um, I want to say less important but less stressed uh, upon people as they come up through the profession because now the code section's right there. And they're like, well, all I have to do is just give them the area that they have to take care of that because it was wrong. And I said, no, you still need to make sure to articulate what they need to do and where it's located, the who, what, where, when, and why. The, 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 having the code uh, section through those checklists is, is just kind of gravy. You just need, you need to articulate and be able to have a better, um, better, um, uh, better description of what it is. I remember one time, I told somebody that they needed to put electrical wiring in a junction box. And so I, so I, I thought it was very clear. It was very, I, I wrote it you know, in, and I didn't put approved junction box. Do you know what they did when, <laughs> when my friend went back for the, um, uh, for the reinspection? It was in an approved cardboard box. Um, and so I'm like, I don't know how they got junction box and cardboard box, but that's how they, that's what they put the electrical wiring in. So <laughs> I'll never forget that. And I thought I was clear. Apparently yeah. I was not as clear as I needed to be. So um, we talked a little bit about the pandemic and the COVID related responses, and we've seen those technology things advance and, and change our service delivery. How have you in the city of Modesto um, adapted to the pandemic to be able to maintain an effective delivery of service? Well, in uh, for fire prevention, we really didn't slow down too much. We had a few hiccups, uh, you know, a few um, uh, scares that uh, mm-hmm. caused some people to be out for a couple of weeks, whatnot. Um, we sent everybody home for a while, but uh, as you said earlier, the construction industry did not slow down. So um, we kept people staffed that were willing to come in and be staffed and follow the guidelines and, you know, wear their mask and whatnot. And um, I, I came in um, if I had staff that didn't uh, want to do certain things. I was here every day. I didn't miss one day because, well, that's not true. We had a... Uh, um, a COVID scare in the office that required me to be out of the office because I came in contact with them, even though mm-hmm. I never had uh, um, got it. But uh, yeah, pretty much we stayed working the whole time and, and took care of the community and all the work that was that was coming in. And our contractors um, in this area were the same. They weren't yeah. they weren't uh, holding off. You know, they were still going. Full bore. So, uh, in order to keep up with them, we stayed up with the process. Yeah, I, I will say that um, it, it was surprising to see 
how how much more I don't want to say more building was happening, but it it was very busy during you know especially in those first initial stages after um, a little bit of a lull, but not much of any. But then we. Um, but they they needed that same level of service delivery. They still needed inspections. They still needed plan review. Um, I know, like uh, like you, we also implemented a digital plan review, um, you know, service. And it, it, would you say that that was uh, uh, of great benefit in the sense to many of those contractors uh, to maybe not have them come in and drop off a set of plans uh, and maybe help build some efficiencies in that overall system? Yeah, we did. We set appointments um, that they could come in by appointment only and drop them off, and then we would accept them at the door. Um, we got into uh, doing just mailing them, and we started mailing stuff back and forth, and we just jumped all over that and got our customers used to doing that. And uh, we took the hit on our side of paying to mail the plans back to them. And mm-hmm. uh, because it was such a fast process that we jumped into, so we just made it work and uh, kept the system going. Yeah, I, I will say that we've kind of done the same. And, and one of the hiccups that we ran into was emails. Um, so we would have them email plans in on occasion and and whether or not our email inboxes had sufficient capacity to be able to accept it. Um, and so I, I think we, we kind of probably like you guys tried to start thinking outside the box uh, of how do we do this? And so we, we moved to uh, some, a different, uh, some different uh, file sharing platforms to be able to help us be able to get that information in. And I will say that that's been one of those things that has helped us out quite a bit. So we talk about technology, um, and really technology's really become an essential practice or an essential essential piece to what we do. What types of systems do you guys currently operate, and what do maybe what are some things that you maybe see coming in the future? Well, currently um, we are using Zoll as as the fire department's platform for everything, for doing inspections, to emergency response for the CAD. Um, and we've got that on a mobile unit now too, through our Surface Pros. We have had some um, difficulties and some uh, um, a rough go at times when there were glitches in the system and getting Zoll to, uh, to work with us on some of this stuff. But uh, overall, it is definitely better than a clipboard and paper um, yeah, you can go out and do an inspection and take pictures and, and put them in your inspection um, um, violation paperwork mm-hmm. and uh, just email it right there on the spot. That's progress. That is definitely progress from when I started. Um, so I think our building department has moved to track it. Um, like anything that's new, it probably wasn't implemented quite right a little too fast but they i'm sure they'll work through the issues just like any other program that's first implemented and and Mm -hmm. pulled out to everybody and they have to learn um in the future i'm i'm not sure right now we are kind of staying with this old platform we have looked at others but uh came back to zol just because of the amount of data that we've had We've been using Zoll since uh, 1997, 
and we had oh, wow. over 20,000 occupancies in our system with just probably a million different violations and, and notice information yeah. in there. The amount of data is incredible. Matter of fact, Zoll told us that we had more data in our system than any of their clients. So oh, wow. I don't know if that's a good thing or, or <laughs> that's a bad thing. But well, I will say that as you talk about you know these electronic record management systems and and having those things being um, utilized, I think is key for data. I know that like um, I actually use the data tool that you you and your staff developed um, here in my department to be able to keep track of uh, many of our metrics mm-hmm. um, from plan review to inspections. And I know that the the, plat- the le- uh, electronic record management systems that you use definitely help be help you extract that data. Um, oh, and I think that it's one of those things that people don't. Uh, I don't think you really appreciate until you really need it, right? Mm-hmm. And so you're, and I think that data, uh, being able to extract the right reports and have that information um, to be able to show, um, you know, we all we always talk about public value and and how do you how do you quantify a fire that never happened? Well, that's how you you, you know ha- what you have to do with the data that you have. And you have to be able to extract that data and be able to show the policymakers of all those things that you do. Um, and I think that is essential. And those electronic record management systems are are key for that. And, I mean, you can definitely do a pen and paper, but it, it makes it a little bit more challenging. And so there are a host of them out there right now that uh, offer uh, different metrics and and so, but I use, uh, but also too, the, we extract it from the program and put it in a spreadsheet. So yeah. the spreadsheet helps, but it helps show it a little bit better, right? It helps boil it down. Um, we talk about community risk reduction and being able to identify where our risk is in the community. Well, I think that also too, you got to look at those metrics to see where you're at and where, how you're being effective and, and what, what are those areas that you're, you're, what you're touching, um, to be able to help with that. Um, and, and I think that that is key, especially when we utilize technology and, and like you mentioned being able to take pictures. Yeah. I think that that's been one of those things for me. Sometimes the picture makes it a little bit easier for me on my report, yeah. um, shooting a picture and showing them like, Hey, this is what I'm talking about. Um, versus having to spend uh, six sentences to try to articulate what, you know, where it's at and, uh, what is wrong with it. So yeah. it makes it a little bit easier. I remember um, in 2003, I believe it was, we did a citywide fee study. And uh, so um, there were several um, team members from each department that were in this fee study with a consultant. And he gave us, I think, 30 days to put together all the information that he wanted. He wanted all of our activities and all the amount of time that we had spent on these activities for the last year, and, you know, and there was a mm-hmm. whole bunch of grumbling and moaning going on from, <laughs> from everybody. And uh, I said, I'll be right back. And I got up and I went and ran a crystal report. And in five minutes, I came back and I gave him a year's worth of data. And I said, I'm done. <laughs> everybody is just sitting there looking at me. I say, hey, that's our program. That's that's the records we keep. Yep. You know, and uh, and. That makes it much easier if you are doing a fee study or whatever, and you have all those mm-hmm. records on hand like that. It makes it so much easier for you. And to be able to do that fee study and take it to council and show 
you know, mm-hmm. that you, that you need more money for what you're doing if if that's what their desire is. Yeah, and I think that we talked about some of those skills that maybe are undervalued or skills uh, that we would uh, you know see as a code professional or what you what we think are important, but also too being able to have that type of foresight and being able to collect the data and being able to do a good job with uh, interpreting the data uh, and being able to go to policymakers and show them. Uh, where where we're having those uh you know those issues and and being able to show them with the data is also is so important it's so vitally important and i really try to you know i can't stress that enough i mean um uh, here in the state of california we also now have to following uh, the ghost ship fire um we all now uh track our state mandated inspections so that way we can report those uh to our policymakers to make sure that we're getting into those multifamily dwellings getting in and performing inspections and the same thing with schools and and um being able to have uh, that ability to properly track it is important um so you don't allow the you, you know an occupancy to get you know overlooked or missed and so it's key to have that and because i I've, I've been in organizations where it hasn't been that easy um to be able to track all that information and and you kind of feel like you're always just running around and uh bringing structure i think through those metrics is always is always important yeah absolutely well before we end i i know i've taken up almost about an hour of your time but I have one last question. Um, well, maybe two, but um, this will be the, the the last important question. Um, but uh, or and I will say important, but the the last hard hitting piece of Region One Radio today. Uh, but what would you consider the most important role uh, as a code official? The most important role as a code official. Yeah, the most important role. The fire inspector. It yeah. starts with the fire inspector and it ends with the fire inspector. They're your boots on the ground. They're your eyes and ears of what's going on. They're the biggest part of your bureau, staffing wise. Mm-hmm. Um, if you do not have a good team of fire inspectors, you're not going to do well. I think it's extremely important that they're knowledgeable. They know what they're doing because they, they really like the fire chief says, it's the fire marshal who makes and breaks them. Well, who makes yep. and breaks the, the fire marshal is his inspectors. And, right. um, yeah, I think that that job is extremely important to what's going on and how your delivery system is being presented and, and how well it's being presented. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, can't, I can't agree with you more. I think it's one of those, one of those roles that they are – um, similar to the firefighters in the sense of being the face of the fire department, yes. but also the fire inspectors. Um, and what it's been, what's been shown to me over the course of my career, uh, how important being a fire inspector truly is um, to not only making making sure that we're um, you know addressing fire code violations and hopefully getting them mitigated quickly, but also selling. Uh, fire safety um, and uh, promoting uh, fire safe education and uh, and uh, I, I've seen that uh, quite a bit and I, I you know definitely is one of those things that uh, maybe when I was growing up I didn't realize who the fire inspector was or what a fire inspector did but um, you know as I've grown a little bit older and a little bit wiser um, 
uh, I've, I've kind of seen where how important it truly is. So, um, but no, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that having boots on the ground and being able to make those connections, developing rapport with the community, um, and then also to selling fire safety out in the community is, is vitally important. So, yeah, and it's not an easy job either. I mean, you know, you made the, uh, um, the connection with the firefighters, um, their job is tough. Their job is dangerous um, to help somebody. Their job is dangerous. Um, I think I lost Mike. Mike, are you still there? Well, I think I lost Mike. Um, but I, I think what he was going to say is um, sometimes we have to be able to um, articulate different positions, especially when times get a little bit tough. And so, um, we, you know, some, you got to be able to sell that aspect of fire safety. But that helps bring us to a close uh, to this episode of ICC Region 1 Radio. I want to thank Mike for joining us. Um, like I said, he's been a friend and a mentor to me uh, throughout the course of my career. Um, I appreciate uh, and hope that uh, you, you've uh, at least uh, been able to pull from some of the insight from him and relate uh, to some of many of his experiences, especially in today's episode. And hopefully that helps you uh, throughout the course of your career. Uh, as always, I want to thank you for listening and watching. Um, and uh, if you ever have any questions or want to be a guest on ICC Region 1 Radio, please let me know. Uh, if you enjoy our show, please rate us, review us on Apple Podcasts, and be sure to join us for some upcoming episodes. With that, have a great day, everyone.